0: Boom, boom, BXA. It's a it's a Sunday. You're hearing this on a Monday. <laughs> it's me and Aiden, Sarah. We have the great Canadian hockey podcast episode four here for you. How are you doing, Aiden?
1: Not bad. I'm I'm a little bit tired, James. We'll you know, we'll have the we'll have the as promised. How is Aiden feeling about Portugal and the World Cup update later on? Um, but I've been getting up for the second game of the day which in my time is six in the morning. Your time, it would be five. And I've been doing that pretty consistently. Um, I'm not disciplined enough to go to bed early for it though. So I've just been, I've just had a tired week.
0: And I don't blame you. You're repping your country. It's uh, it's what you got to do. And then uh, the stress levels don't help the sleep, my dude.
1: Oh man, I, we'll save it. We'll save it. It'll be an end of podcast thing for when people who don't care have already turned it off.
0: Well, we have a hundred percent audience retention. How how are they gonna turn it off?
1: They're glued to us. They can't stop. I saw that. Yeah, we have access to our analytics, obviously, and our our audience retention numbers have been super high. So, first of all, thank you for <laughs> not just clicking on it, but listening to us the entire time, a lot of you, which you know, power to you. Don't know how you have the 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 power to just listen to us ramble sometimes. But I kept thinking about that and I'm like, that's just for sure. That's just for sure. You turn it on and then you like, you forget to hit pause when it goes back in your pocket and it's just playing. Like it's just playing on Spotify and you don't know it. I don't know if that's not the case and everybody is listening to it. You're appreciated. I know we did that in the last podcast, but again, the best part of my week this week continued to be the feedback and the positivity of it. So yeah. If if you're liking it, let us know you're liking it. It puts a smile on my face. There are some days where that's the best part.
0: Well, actually, and I had a couple of friends give me a call yesterday upon, uh, I was waking up from a nap, and they told me they were just listening to our podcast on a drive from Portal Bernie to Victor- uh, Burnie to Nanaimo, and then later Victoria, so they could go see Connor Bedard play against the Royals. And uh, if you're listening and you're those friends, you know who you are. I won't name you because you don't get to be famous yet. (laughs) And uh, um, you know what? They agreed with me on one thing that I said at the end of our Hall of Fame debate. They agreed with me, Johnny Quick in the Hall over Henrik Lundqvist.
1: Yeah, no. And that's more than a fair take, I think. The, The two Stanley Cups. Um, I'm pretty sure, didn't I say that? Jonathan Quick versus Henrik Lundqvist. I did say that it's Quick's, not necessarily his Stanley Cups. I alluded to his Conn Smythe as kind of being the tiebreaker between him and Henrik Lundqvist, which I believe it is, right? Lundqvist, as great as he was, never got over, kind of got over that hump, and Quick did.
0: Yeah, we don't need to go back into the Hockey Hall of Fame debate. That's, uh, I mean, we can save that for, what, a year from now?
1: Yeah, I mean, it'll it'll come back. It'll come back on its own. We don't need to. It doesn't need to be a. It doesn't need to be a weekly thing where we just check on the same potential Hall of Fame candidates. We just check to see if our opinions have changed in seven days, which I, I'd I'd be shocked. Anyways, James, you have a little bit of news, so I'll give you the floor.
0: Well, Aiden, you know the. This Friday and, and Sunday, just now, I'm still wearing my my suit from the Eagles game. I have my last two games uh, as a part of the Surrey Eagles broadcast. It was awesome. Uh, they won the first game, lost today's game. It was a ton of fun. I, uh, it's my last one because I'm leaving for another opportunity. I'll be, uh, I, I've accepted a, a job offer from city news and I will be starting that uh, career opportunity pretty soon. And, uh, yeah, you know, it was just an opportunity I couldn't really pass up. Something that's, you know, a dream of mine to to get going on. But, like I said, sadly, sadly, I will have to leave the Surrey Eagles. Maybe I can join in for a playoff game uh, later this year because uh, their games won't be restricted to just weekends at home. But, yeah, I just want to give a sincere thank you to uh, my broadcast partners, Joey Pitt and Lucas Lucascelli. Loved working with those guys. Ton of fun. Uh, I, I even got to... <laughs> uh got to say a nice little farewell at the end uh i got a couple nice little pictures taken had a couple more laughs with them uh i want to thank the ownership as well ron and tj brar and uh the the two people who make our broadcast sound and look so awesome george para and josh dubuque those guys are those guys are great george is uh a treasure to everyone who has done any any form of broadcast in vancouver the guy is just awesome he's just uh just a just a great dude. And uh, yeah, like I said, I'll, I'll reiterate it one more time. It's uh, I'm very thankful for my time there. It was awesome. Uh, I could live out my Ray Ferraro between the benches dreams uh, for a brief little period of time. And it's something that I hope I can do again soon. It's It's been pretty great. Aiden, you've been a part of quite a few hockey broadcasts and you know how tight-knit that community is and how good it feels to go to the rink and smell that rink smell i uh, I buttoned mine off by getting some uh, some South South Surrey Arena chicken strips uh, with some honey mustard and fries. And uh, that's how I said my farewell. it was it was a great weekend, my friend. i I loved it
1: well, obviously, bittersweet to say be departing something awesome for something awesome. um however, uh, you you told me about this earlier in the week. And I was so stoked for you. And then you said, oh, but it means I'm going to have to leave the Eagles. And obviously, again, you know, it's it's, I know it was something you really enjoyed. So a little bit bittersweet. And then I got to thinking, oh, man, am I going to lose my co-host?
0: Not a chance, man. You got me. You got me for as long as my voice works. If suddenly my vocal cords decide to get up and walk away, that's that's probably the only way you'd lose me. Uh. I mean, maybe if Jeff and Elliot were to poach me somehow, and I could be, I could be the third member of Thirty Two Thoughts, then I might leave you. That's just a maybe, though, because I, I strongly believe in loyalty, and uh, you know, you, you got me. Uh, what's the great Canadian hockey podcast without the two of us? I don't think either of us are replaceable. I mean, but maybe.
1: <laughs> no, I, I would agree with that. Um, the only issue I'll take with that, what you just said. Is I know you're an avid enough 32 Thoughts listener to know that Amol Delic is already the third member of 32 Thoughts. Obviously, good job, Jeff. Good job, Animal. good job, Amol. Good just job, Jeff. Good job, Amol. We can move on. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, big congratulations to James and yeah, the 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 people you mentioned in that organization. You know, you mentioned that you know both of us have been in the hockey broadcast world. I've had the opportunity to cross paths with uh, Lucas Chelli and George Para in my career already. And both are just absolutely sublime individuals. So yeah, obviously, like I said, bittersweet, but so excited for you.
0: Appreciate that, man. It's, uh, it's been awesome. And, uh, yeah, I just can't wait to see what it is going forward. And, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, at near the end of the game, I could hear Joey say, we're so sad to see him go. And I thought back to the, the Dr. Seuss quote, don't be sad that it's over smile because it happened as corny as it is it it fit at the time so I think now uh now that we've done our our rambling and our talking about ourselves we should get to the part of the podcast where people actually come here for and we'll start talking about some hockey news uh Aiden I know you had some stuff to say about these NHL leading Boston Bruins and how they're just tearing everyone apart
1: they are tearing everyone apart, obviously, but David Pasternak is tearing everybody apart. 14 18 32. That's the stat line over 21 games. I, again, I, I, we, we, sorry, we, I was so, so incredibly wrong about Boston this year. I had, I had this being the year. That the car drove off the cliff, the injury early in the season to Marshand, the injury early in the season to Charlie McAvoy, and the you know the the fact that David Krejci, after a year away from the NHL, was coming back to be there two See, I thought you put all that in the pot, and what comes out was going to be a playoff miss. I had them low in the Atlantic Division, but wow, and Patrice Bergeron. We don't need to talk about Patrice Bergeron because he's already one of the most respected players in the NHL, but he continues he continues a sublime career. He's got 19 points in 21 games already this season, doing it all, playing Selke caliber, a Selkie-caliber two-way game. Hampus Lindholm, who you praised like crazy early in the podcast, his production's gone down a little bit since McAvoy's return, but he continues to be strong on the back end, continues to thrive on that team. Krejci, the guy that I probably would have doubted the most coming into the season's one off a point per game, eight goals and 17 points in his 18 so far. You know, anything can happen in the Stanley cup playoffs. We've seen president's trophy winners go out in the first round and we've seen eight seeds win, but this team's going to be tough to beat.
0: Well, you know, Aiden, you mentioned a bunch of key members of of their roster. There were a few that jumped out to me so far this year that I wouldn't have thought would be keys to their success. Connor Clifton's been playing a really heavy role in strong minutes. He's been shutting down very important players on opposing teams, racking up hits. The guy has been a beast. And Connor Clifton, I always looked at as like, okay, maybe like a number four or five defenseman. No disrespect to the guy. I'm not an athlete. I will never play in the NHL. I'm not downplaying that he's a great hockey player every player that makes the NHL is a great hockey player, but I didn't think he was this good and useful on a top tier team. Uh, Jake DeBrusque, who had all the drama the past couple years about the trade request and never really been playing in the right role with Bruce Cassidy and never really finding the success that he had uh, off and on in his first couple seasons. And now the guy is dominant and he's getting tons of power play time and he's the guy that they need him to be. And then Player number three, Linus Allmark, just recently injured, but last I checked, leading uh, NHL goaltenders in every statistical category that's relevant and, uh, I mean, outside of advanced stat stuff, the guy's just been a beast. Like, he's... I would have thought that if this Bruins team's doing great, Jeremy Swayman would be carrying the load. I looked at the two of them, and I thought, Swayman's the better goalie. I mean, Swayman's been injured, but... Like, come on, where is this Linus Allmark play coming from? I have a friend who's been a lifelong Sabres fan, and he always pumped the tires of Linus Allmark, always said how underrated he was. And I get it now. I'm on board. The guy's nuts. Uh, apparently, he's an elite goalie now. So add that to the repertoire of of things that the Bruins are just throwing at people every game. 13-1-0, 9
1: 2.00 goals against he is throwing himself like you said he's he's establishing himself as an elite goaltender he is throwing himself right in the mix of the Vezina conversation and it's if if, if he's sustainable the whole team if in front of him is going to remain remain strong right it's it's he's the anchor to that ship and and if if he's strong he'll he'll make sure to help the rest of the team along and and there's definitely kind of a last dance feel to Boston, just because of the age that Patrice Bergeron is. He's 37. Marchand's 34. I always kind of think of Brad Marchand as a much younger guy than that. He's 34 years old. David Krejci's 36. So, to me, you know, I'm not I'm not a Bruins fan. You know, I'm, I grew up a Canucks fan, so they specifically still to my to my childhood self are the ones that crushed my dreams but as 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 even with that established seeing patrice bergeron lift another stanley cup before he retires would be just if you're a hockey fan if you're if you're a hockey fan first you can't not want that and you think back to
0: that 2011 cup where your dreams got crushed uh mark recce lifted the cup and then retired so it'd be Pretty poetic for Bergeron to do the same if they were to uh, if they were to make it to the end of that dance and hoist that trophy.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely, I do. Yeah, Mark Recchi. Mark Recchi was forty three at the time, a little bit on the older side. We talked about Lena Solmark already. His play. Um, I said in the last podcast that if anything on the Devils wasn't going to be sustainable, it was their goaltending. Vitek Vanacek has continued to prove to me what I have known. Since before the beginning of the season, that he is the superior goaltender to Mackenzie Blackwood. I was always going to tie on that hill. And his 923 save percentage and 205 goals against has proved me right so far this year. However, we were talking last week, New Jersey's winning streak since snapped in I don't know if I want to say controversial fashion, James. Three disallowed goals against the Toronto Maple Leafs, but a strong case to be made that all three of them should have been disallowed. I am the kind of person just when I played. I was, you know, I was literally think Brendan Gallagher. I'd go to the net, I'd score goals on top of the crease, and I'd be in the goalie's face. So, just because of that being the nature of how I played, I almost always will tend to side with the forward in a goaltender interference call unless it's obvious. And even then, I fully saw why. Both of those goals that were called back for goaltender interference were called back for goaltender interference, you know. And and as much as you can, you can point to Matt Murray maybe exaggerating, but still, it's still it's still fully, it's still a fully reasonable call to call them off. The kick by Eric Halla. Read the rule. (laughs) If Toronto didn't have the puck in between Halla kicking it. And it going in the net, you know, I saw a debate like, oh, he kicked it to the top of the crease. And then it went in. It's like, okay, <laughs> sure, sure, but no, <laughs> no, like he, the puck's in because he kicked it goalwards. Like, and yeah, anyhow, New Jersey, regardless, turned it around and kept pushing. Didn't let the loss kind of throw them off their stride. We've already talked about Jack Hughes and yes, we Brad on the podcast. Jack Hughes had a hat trick tonight, James. Jack Hughes, like I said, watching him in 2020 and watching him now, what a 180! This guy is a stud.
0: Well, yeah, I, I, I'm gonna echo that. But previously, we talked about when we talked about the Devils, I was talking about how Heisher and Brat have been so crazy. And this past couple of games, it's been the Jack Hughes show uh, In their 3-1 win over Buffalo. He scores one goal and in that 5-1 win over the Caps, hat trick. Yeah, this guy is dynamite. Like he is a sick player and he's so good for the league. Like his flashiness and then like his interviews uh, at the at the what do you call it? The NHL media conference or whatever. He is so good for the league. I appreciate how candid he is. Yes, he's not as open for an interview all the time, but I I really like Jack Hughes as a generation going forward player to help get more new fans engaged. He's he's awesome. I, I'm a huge Jack Hughes fan, and I think a lot of my friends are as well. He's someone who comes up in conversation for us all the time. And yeah, he's just helping push this devil's team another step forward. And yeah, you know, about that, about those disallowed goals. Yeah, honestly, the only debatable one for me was the kicking one. Yeah, it sucks to have three goals disallowed in a row. I think even if they pick the puck up and threw it in the net on all three, I think if they had, if three goals get disallowed, regardless of how it goes, you're going to be ticked off. It's a fact. Um, Do you want to speak to the Devils fans throwing stuff?
1: Not more than just to say the obvious, which is, unless it's a hat or, you know, <laughs> I, I get the jersey. <laughs> so, you know, hat, jersey, uh, next Sunday, so a week from today, in Blackfolds, I'll be calling our teddy bear toss game. Uh, Blackfolds is inviting fans to not only throw teddy bears, but throw mittens and socks and toques because they're all getting donated together. Um, You know. That's fun. <laughs> throw that on the ice. Don't throw things projectiles that are going going to hit and potentially injure people. like they're wearing helmets, but a full can of beer coming at, let's say a trainer or a coach on the bench. that's bad. You don't want that. Please don't do that. And again, yeah, you get it's it's a frustration thing, but, yeah, don't do it. And, um, I guess kind of, you know, the Leafs beat them, so let's go to the Leafs. And James, you know, again, people who have known me and, and you know, have, have heard me talk about hockey for a while will know that I am the uh, close to the farthest thing from a Leafs fan that you could be. But regardless, since they picked him fourth overall in 2015, I've been a huge Mitch Marner fan. And 16-game point streak for Mitch Up to 27 and 23. He is he's awesome. He might be in a he's in the conversation for me as the best winger in the league. I really, really like this guy. His playmaking ability, his hockey IQ that comes to the forefront every time you see him collect the puck on the boards and look up. He's such a fun player to watch. I enjoy the hell out of his game. And just yeah, 27 and 23, 16 game points streak really speaks for itself.
0: I mean, it's not a debate I want us to get into and lose track of an hour and ramble, but Marner or Pasternak, who would you rather have?
1: I would probably take Pasternak simply because his success hinges less on the players around him. If Mitch Marner's on the line with two players that cannot put the puck in the back of the net to save their life, his stat total is going to go down dramatically. He's a brilliant playmaker, but at the end of the day, if he's putting the puck on sticks of players that are going to fire it wide, he's not getting those assists, right? However, David Pasternak has the ability to kind of get the puck, drive play himself. He can put the puck in the back of the net. He's a little bit more versatile than Marner. Right now, I'd say pasta, but there's a case to be made that that part of Marner's game just hasn't grown because of how much he's playing with you know he's played with John Tavares. He's played with Austin Matthews. So he doesn't really need to be the guy behind the wheel on those lines. He can be the playmaker in the periphery that sets those guys up. So Pasternak right now because we've seen him drive the bus a little bit more. But I'm fully confident that Mitch Marner has that ability as well. And if he, if he, if you do end up putting him on a line where he has to, you know, be the driver, he'd you'd see that ability come out.
0: Okay, you've used the word periphery now and you use sublime twice. This podcast, were you playing Scrabble? What's going on, dude?
1: No, no, this is this is I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) I'm not. Am I using them incorrectly? I think (laughs) I think they're describing they're getting the point across. (laughs) Oh, no,
0: no, they're great. Uh, I just can't remember the last time I heard either of those words other than band names.
1: (laughs) Also, with Toronto, we we what do we talk about? We talked about it was Brayden Schneider when we were talking about the World Juniors as a guy that you loved because of his play at the World Juniors. That guy for me was defenseman Connor Timmins in 2018. Toronto just picked this guy up. hasn't yet played, but I really like the deal for the Leafs.
0: So Connor Timmins, I'm pretty familiar with the guy just because of uh, I'm a, I'm an Avalanche fan as we've established. The guy had an incredible junior career, which unfortunately ended with a pretty rough injury. Um, The guy has since very much struggled to stay healthy. And he was still considered a fairly highly touted prospect at the time of his trade to Arizona, along with a first round pick for Darcy Kemper. So was it a first or a second? I swear it was a first. First. Yeah, that's right. Okay, I'm glad. Thank you. Appreciate that, Tibbs. <laughs> um yeah so the guy was still considered a fairly highly touted prospect and I honestly thought he was going to flourish in Arizona system uh slowly work your way through the AHL find your spot in the NHL as the team slowly gets better and you can carve yourself out a role maybe earn that next sizable contract coming out of entry level All right so here we are now it is November of 2022 Connor Timmins just got traded for a mid-round pick to the Maple Leafs I think that this is probably one of the best possible destinations for him to go because this depleted Maple Leafs blue line even when healthy is screaming for a right-handed shot Connor Timmins can move the puck when healthy he's excellent vision and great first pass and he's a guy who can kill penalties as well I mean, I don't think he's going to be your power play guy in the NHL. He was that in junior, so maybe he can do that a bit. But I think the Leafs will more heavily uh, lean on Giordano, Liljegren, Sandin, guys that they know have chemistry with their players offensively already uh, in terms of that right now. But I think Connor Timmins could actually be a major impact player for the Leafs. I think he could maybe carve himself out a role as their uh, number four or five defenseman and start playing some important minutes fill in for some guys that they might not have anytime soon.
1: You're absolutely right in Toronto, yeah, Jake Muzzin, Morgan Riley, two of the headliners, the Leafs are are, are banged up on the back end and and yeah, it's it's been injuries with Connor Timmins that has prevented his forward progress and so yeah, I do think you're right. It's going to be an opportunity for him to, you know, step into a Leafs lineup that that obviously needs him and needs him now, right? It, it, it's not going to be a, it's not going to be a, you know, a little, little look here and there. And, you know, we'll see if you can beat out some guys. It's like, no, they got him because they need him. And being able to play on that team, they're obviously a, a, a very strong team in this league and he's going to get the opportunity. And yeah, like I said, I was a big fan of his coming out of junior. I remember that trade for Darcy Kemper and, and thinking that that was maybe one Colorado might've, you know, one that they might've let get away in that deal. But, hasn't worked out for him in Arizona. So hopefully it does in Toronto. So we're going to go from Toronto to Vancouver. I haven't done too much Canucks stuff because I didn't want, like this isn't a Canucks podcast. And if me and James just talking about our teams, the great Canadian hockey podcast, I didn't want it to turn into the great Canadian Colorado avalanche and Vancouver Canucks podcast, but man, from day one, I've loved Andre Kuzmenko and the love for Andre Kuzmenko has done nothing but grow. It's done nothing but grow. 11 goals, 21 points in 21 games so far. Had the overtime winner tonight in San Jose. And you talked about loving Jack Hughes, just his flair and his just his personality. Man, I love how much Andre Kuzmenko loves to play, loves to score. He's awesome. And he's 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 been one of the small positives out of a largely disappointing connect season for me so far. Well, you know, Aiden, one word to describe the guy filthy,
0: another word lovable. Like, you know, he is an awesome player. Um I think one of my favorite things about him so far outside of how funny and candid and European he is with the media. um, Like I I get a good laugh over the guy all the time, but one of my favorite things about him is the manner in which he scores his less flashy goals. When he gets his stick on the ice in that one spot in front of the net and he's able to perfectly uh, angle his blade. So it's just going into the opening. It's just getting past the goalie. He, I think I was watching, uh, can't remember who i was watching a broadcast i don't know if it, it was an american or canadian broadcast i have sports net now so it just flops all over the place but yeah so i was watching and they were breaking down most of his goals on the season and i think five of them were scored the exact same way he just gets his blade on the ice angles it perfectly gets the pa- uh receives a pass perfectly it's in the net as soon as his stick is in the crease he's scoring it's just a fact and it's awesome. It, that's the kind of player that the Canucks need because, for one, incredible setup man for their scoring centers, and two, uh, just a a guy who has a nose for the net.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And it's 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 kind of that you know, he's he's <laughs> he's far from an all around player, but in terms of he's an all around offensive player, right? He he can hit you in so many ways in the offensive zone, and I'm not gonna. You know, we're going to talk about all-around player next because I'm staying on the Canucks and we're going to Pedersen. But he, yeah, it's it's how many ways he can kill you. He's got that elite shot, but you can see the hockey sense in it. You know, I talk about how much I love Mitch Marner. You, you'll kind of, Patrice Bergeron, you're kind of going to see a theme with me where a lot of the guys I'm praising is because I can see their hockey IQ working on the ice, and I love it. And Andre Kuzmenko is one of those guys where he's he's driven, he's determined, and he's smart. Um, I, I alluded to it, so we're going to go to him. I have always loved Elias Pedersen. This to me is Elias Petterson. This is this is what Vancouver fans were waiting for. This is this is him. I, James, like again, I've watched Canucks games and I've just been so I've just I've been so freaking upset <laughs> to to watch some of those games, how they're playing. The results are on a little bit of a heater now. (laughs) Sure. won a few games, beat Colorado in Colorado, beat Vegas in Vegas, won an overtime in San Jose tonight. Now, again, they went through this last year, the ups and the downs. They look a little bit better. But one guy that, to me, hasn't hasn't played a game that he didn't look like he wanted to be the best player on the ice has been Elias Pedersen. He was so disappointing at the start of last season, turned it around to have a good season productively ended up with 32 goals and 68 points, which set career highs in both categories. But this guy's two-way game, it continues to get better and better. And we talked about Nico Heischer being a Selkie candidate last time. We already talked about Patrice Bergeron being a Selkie candidate this time. Austin Matthews was the breakout Selkie candidate of last year that nobody saw coming really because that part of his game hadn't even been hinted at (laughs) until last season in which he suddenly did a 180 on deciding to play defense. Um, and Pedersen this year, like, you know, you could see, you could always see the hockey IQ in him working in both the offensive and the defensive zones, but I've just, you know, I, I love him on the PK, his hockey IQ to be able to, you know, he's reading the play so well, his, his, his work intercepting passes and it's just his work on the back check. And (laughs) I talked again, I don't like throwing out the Pavel Datsu comparison (laughs) because it's such a high bar to live up to but I think I use it and I used it on Othman. (laughs) I use it because Datsuk did a laundry list of things better than anybody else ever did them. So I'm just alluding to one part of Datsuk's game, much like I did with Othman. I talked about Othman when it came to the way he protected the puck was like Datsuk. The way Pedersen strips guys off the puck is a little bit like Pavel Datsuk as well. Datsuk was so smart at timing his stick lifts and using his body to kind of almost fake out the guy with the puck (laughs) you could see you 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 if you watch Datsuk clips you see him almost make the player with the puck think he's over one shoulder so they shift to the other side and he's right there to lift the stick and take the puck it's 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 amazing to watch and I'm so sorry if you didn't watch Pavel Datsuk play because the guy was the guy was the definition of special and I'm you know not not to that level but I'm starting to see that with Pedersen and it's it's making me so excited. It's making me so excited. Yeah, it's 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 it, it's been a really good season for him amid a whole lot of negative so far.
0: I completely agree with you, Aiden, and that's why of all the players on the Canucks roster, Rutherford has reiterated over and over again there are only a couple of untouchables, and that is one of them. Elias Patterson is he's a killer of a player. He's developed so well. Yes, it hasn't been linear, but not everything's always going to be linear. It's not just going to be a straight line up. Otherwise, he would have been putting up ridiculous seasons by what, year two? Like, it's very hard to follow up on being Rookie of the Year. It's hard to continue following up as a team struggles. It's even harder when there's all these contract things that seem to be up every year with another player. (sighs) There's just so much stuff around the Canucks, whether it's organizational changes, roster changes, stuff that has made it a little harder for Elias Patterson to develop in that that rate we wanted them to after our first season being greeted by by the this wonderful alien that he is. Um you know, seeing him play this year, there's just that air of confidence. I was at the game last season where The Canucks got blown out by Pittsburgh's power play and Pedersen whiffed on a one-timer and he just sighed and looked skyward. And I don't know, I was what, like 100 feet away from him? I just remember looking at it and I'm like, wow, that's one defeated young man right there. And I'm so happy to see him play with confidence even when the team struggles. He's a very likable guy. I think we we saw him get like very media involved uh doing a lot of like fun social media stuff early on especially right after the rookie year. It's kind of calmed down a bit. Um but you know if that's him focusing on his game and developing into the player that he's becoming, I'm all on board for it.
1: Totally. Totally. It's 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 going to continue to be fun to watch and it's going to continue to be Hopefully for me, even the bright spot in some Canucks games that don't have many others. So it's kind of going to be a different segue this week. Usually it's a pretty distinct, let's go from the NHL to the prospects. We're going to spend some time in the AHL on guys that you can still consider prospects. So it is, it is a switch to prospects. It's a switch to prospects playing professionally And we're going to start with somebody that I watched in the preseason and thought, this guy's good. 24-year-old Matthew Phillips, Calgary uh, Calgary Flames player, has played one game for the Flames in the NHL. Calgary Wranglers this year is the new AHL team of the Flames playing out of the Scotiabank Saddledome. And Phillips has 13 goals, 26 points in 18 games after... 31 goals and 68 points in 65 games last year was a sixth round pick in 2016. Very good for the Victoria Royals in the WHL had three assists as the Wranglers beat the Abbots for Canucks tonight. I guess last night, once you're listening to this on, uh, on Monday, but James, he feels like the kind of guy that's going to step up and his skills going to translate, at least from what I've seen, watched a little bit of, him in the a this year watched a lot of him in preseason a couple games he played for the flames he looked really good
0: so Aiden, i uh i got the opportunity to watch matthew phillips play alongside tyler soy for the victoria royals uh a a handful of times i don't know probably four times if i had to guess tons of fun watching this player he has great hands explosive speed so the knock on Matthew Phillips, the major one at least, has always been his size and physicality or lack thereof in his game. You know, unfortunately, there's nothing you can just buy that makes you taller because I know I'd buy it too. I don't really want to be five nine forever, but I'm not getting any taller. And Matthew Phillips likely isn't either at age 24 or the same age. So, you know, he could, and I'm not saying I want this, he could always end up being one of those guys that produces incredibly well at the AHL level, gets a few games in when called upon uh, in a middle six role when a team is injury depleted at the NHL level. Think like a Jordan Wheel type guy. You know, he's he's got exceptional skill. He's a wonderful talent. I want to see him succeed and get to the next level. I think it's possible. It's going to take the right opportunity and the right timing on a lot of fronts though.
1: He reminded me in the preseason, a little bit of Braden Point, point. And that mm-hmm. was what drew my attention to him. So, so, so dramatically like that. That's what made me latch onto this guy was, man, this, this, this little guy with a ton of skill, the hockey sense again, it's the, it's, it's my hockey IQ thing. You could see him, you know, every pass he made, He was then moving into the right spot, you know, and sometimes like, you know, when you're a small guy, it's your, it's your movement and anticipation that becomes your greatest asset. You know, it's getting to the right spots, Vancouver comparison. You see Connor Garland doing it all the time. It's, it's how he, it's how he moves and where he moves when, rather than his physical stature that gives him a physical advantage. And that's what I was seeing out of Matthew Phillips. And yeah, you know what, you're right. He could turn into the Jordan wheel you know, the, the depth piece that can step in and play on the second power play unit. Sheldon Drys for the Vancouver Canucks is a good example of that. Dries has some skill, plays on second power play unit when he's up in Vancouver, but at the end of the day, he's not going to be a top six forward in the NHL. Watching Phillips play, my fingers are crossed, I'm hoping, but you're absolutely right that it could just be that. Um, we talked last week about Shane Wright getting sent to the AHL on the conditioning loan and what that entailed and why they could do that. They weren't the only team that did that with their prospect. Brant Clark sent by the LA Kings to the Ontario reign of the AHL on a conditioning loan, has a goal and two points in five games. I wanted to touch on Clark James for no other reason than to say Canada's getting him at the World Juniors. Oh,
0: Aiden, I totally agree. And what a what a Christmas present wrapped up right under the tree they're getting. Brant Clark is an exceptional player. He is phenomenal. He's going to anchor their power play unit probably. I mean, now that I said that it will probably be someone else who steps up out of nowhere because that's, that's how these things work. Um, you know, he is, he's a great player, unreal offensive and defensive instincts. The guy is going to be leading your breakout and then he's going to be the first person coming back and defending. He's, he is a sick player. He isn't awesome guy for LA to have in its system as as Drew Doughty reaches the twilight of his career um which honestly I don't really think is coming anytime soon that guy's probably gonna play a while but you know besides the fact that Drew Doughty's awesome and I'd love to talk about him too one day um Clark's great and and the Canadian World Junior team is gonna love him LA is gonna love him and it's extremely interesting the timing of it all that LA is following suit with exactly what Seattle did. Like how long have these teams had this plan? Like how long were they cooking this up? I, were they on the give, phone with each other thinking, well, I, hey, can you do this?
1: I gotta give them kudos, it's clever. It's clever. The conditioning stint rule says that you just have to have missed X amount of games in a row. And it doesn't specify the nature in which, in which you have to have missed those games. So here we are. And both Clark and Wright are playing in the AHL. And I'm going to get to Shane Wright. But before we go to Wright, one more player I wanted to touch on. Because, you know, we're talking about Brant Clark. To me, Brant Clark is somebody who I have high expectations for in the future. Didn't have too many expectations for in the now. I'm not surprised that he didn't stick in an LA Kings team that has playoff ambitions this year. However, my expectations this season, and I know you're probably going to agree with me here, for Mason McTavish we're a little bit higher 10 points in 21 games isn't a bad number puts him on pace for just under 40 points but only 3 goals James, you know Aiden, he 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 was I completely agree with you. I had I had Matty Beniers at 1, but he was my 2 on the Calder list this year.
0: Aiden, I told multiple friends throughout this summer that Mason McTavish was my Calder pick and I don't feel dumb for saying that. You know, he scored his fourth goal So he's got one more point there. He scored that tonight. Um, He has all the tools. I think this Ducks team struggling around him and then finding his role where he fits in with everyone. I think that's the big source of all of it. There's going to be growing pains as you go from being one of the most dominant players in junior hockey to a guy in the NHL you don't just get to go be that superstar right away unless you're McDavid, unless you're probably Bedard, you know, it's, it's not, it's not easy. It's probably one of the hardest transitions in sports and Mason McTavish is going to get there. And, you know, he could have a dynamite second half of the season, but he just needs a little kick. He just needs a little bit of help. Keep in mind, Trevor egress is already a star in this league. And after tonight, he's after tonight's three assist performance, he's one under a point per game. So, you know, that's their best player and he's not at that point per game level. So I think performance versus expectations. He's doing his best out there as best that he can. The team just isn't really there in you you know, finding line mates that you're going to grow with and form chemistry with. It, These things are all variables when it comes to performance meeting expectations. And I have no doubt in my mind that he's going to be a great player in this league. He is, when you picture hockey player, that's the kind of man that comes to mind, you know? When, when you picture dude who plays hockey. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That guy, Mason McTavish. Um, for some reason, already has a beard and is towering over you at 18 years old. I'm like, Whatever. Yeah, I don't know. He's going to get there. I think it's just going to take a little bit of time, and I hope he doesn't really... I, I hope he's not too disappointed in himself because, you know, he's going to get there, man. He will.
1: Yeah, he he's, he's the guy to me when I watch him play. He makes the right play always. He makes that play exactly when he's supposed to make it. And he does it shift by shift. Every time he's on the ice, you see him with that decision-making it's, it's awesome. Okay. I would give it less than a 5% chance. I don't think it's going to happen. Anaheim's bottom of the barrel. Okay. Anaheim is in the Connor Bedard conversation. They're in the first overall pick conversation. They're not good. James, he's 19 years old. He doesn't turn 20 till January 30th. You know what that means? Don't say it. He's world junior eligible, James. If if Anaheim is sitting there and they're like, well, we don't, we're not going to (laughs) win. You know, you're talking about, oh, he just needs a little bit of what? Just a little bit of a spark, maybe a little bit of a seven game confidence boost that he goes off for double digits and goals, assists and wins a gold medal, knock on wood. You know, I don't think it's gonna happen. He's, you know, like I said, he's on a he's he's close to a forty point pace, right? Like that's that's not nothing by any means. So he might be again. You, I, I have stats from this morning. So he he might be at that or above that now with with his statistics tonight. So I I don't think Anaheim just gives away a player. That's they they're obviously know that's gonna develop into something special, producing at a middle six rate. In his rookie season, they're not just. I don't think they're just going to let him. I don't think they're going to let him go. But, but, but fingers are crossed. Fingers are so crossed. Aiden,
0: I've got one reason that I don't think he'll go. That I'm almost certain he will not go. Let's look back about two years ago. Kirby Doc. Kirby Doc goes to World Juniors and injures himself, and it catastrophically uh hampers hampers dampens one of those words hinders hinders okay yeah apparently i didn't have either one (laughs) catastrophically hinders his development ends up getting traded down the line to montreal who i would love to see him become the player he was supposed to become
1: he's been that so far this season i'll tell you that much
0: he's doing very well now but i don't think anaheim wants to see their current top prospect go and have a chance of injuring himself when it's not for them. You know, maybe they look at it as, oh, it's a confidence booster for him, maybe, but I don't think it'll happen. And off the top of your head, quick question for you. Can you think of many players over your time watching hockey that their NHL teams have sent them to the World Juniors when they're a regular in their lineup night in, night
1: out? Well, the Canucks, Jake Vertanen was... Jake Vertanen and Jared, Mer- Jared McCann were eligible in the same season. They didn't send McCann because they had injuries at center at the time, and he was nece- very necessary. They sent Vertanen. Um, it was in 2016, and Vertanen, it was a disaster. Don't don't even get me started on that team and how that ended. Um, the 2016 World Juniors Canada, Jake Vertan. Yeah, high stick, doesn't matter. <laughs> Uh, I remember Brennan Gallagher left Montreal, I want to say. Devontae Smith-Pelly left Anaheim. Um, man, You're putting me on the spot. You're putting me on the spot because there are a bunch of guys. There are guys that I remember being eligible and then getting hurt (laughs) during the NHL season and then not getting to go. Do you have any?
0: No, no, no. I was, I was, I was really curious. Uh, I, I remember Jake Vertanen. I didn't really remember many others. And if I could be completely mistaken, but I think Devontae Smith Pelly wasn't playing every game to that
1: point. No, no. I, I, I think you're correct in in saying that. Good segue because not playing every game to that point. We talked about Brand Clark. We touched on Shane Wright. Four goals in three games in the AHL. Shane Wright is making that league look like it's beneath him because it probably is. Is this making Seattle? We, we talked about it when he got sent down. We said if the Kraken's plan is to have him play some games in the AHL, get some confidence, come back, step into the lineup for one or two against Montreal, then send him off to the World Juniors and then send him to Junior. That that was kind of the roadmap we had laid out for Shane Wright. It made sense. Four goals in three games in the AHL, that's very far from nothing, James. The AHL is an extremely hard league to play in. This is not, you know, he he's he's not going around ripping up a bunch of guys that you know. Th- th- this this is quite possibly the second best league in the world. Is this making Seattle rethink it a little bit? That whole that whole, you know, let him finish off the season in Kingston.
0: I think no, for one reason. It's going as planned. He went down there and he's gaining the confidence they hoped he gains. And this is just step one. And step one is going better than they could have imagined. Like, I think the only possible way this could be going better is if he was having a hat trick every game. The guy's playing phenomenal down there. Um, I haven't gotten to watch anything other than a couple highlights myself. Because I honestly can't say I've watched more than a dozen AHL games in my life. And most of them were during that uh, lockout short in 12, 13 season. And uh, yeah, no, it's going perfectly. And I think the best move for them is to stay the course, but, you know, I can't predict anything that this organization does from expansion draft to, to Shane Wright development. It's all just, it's all beyond me. I, I follow along and I try to make a prediction, but how many times have I been right? None. So, yeah, no, I, I think they stay the course, but they've proved me wrong time and time again. So maybe they won't stay the course. What do you think?
1: I think you're right. (laughs) Pun intended. No, it's not. Um, I think you're right because. It's clear there is. I don't want to say a problem. I don't want to say a uh, uh, disagreement. It, it's obvious the Kraken coaching staff doesn't feel Shane Wright is an NHL-caliber player right now. And what he does in the AHL, I think if, if they weren't giving him the chance to begin with, I'm sorry, I just I don't see it. I don't see him getting the chance now. I will say it definitely will help him next year right it'll it'll help him to have played in these games professionally um it, you know the the world Junior stint this year we don't know how it's going to go obviously, but hopefully he he performs at that tournament and yeah it, it's it's like we kind of said in the last episode where if the roadmap for right is AHL world Juniors goes down before he burns the first year of his ELC rips up the O for the rest of the season that's probably best case for him right now. Because you bring him back up, what are you going to do? Are you going to bring him back up to the NHL? Sit him for five more games to send him back down to the AHL for two weeks? Is that going to be a repeating cycle? I hope not. Um, I really, yeah, I really, I really hope not. Um, I might blow a piston if they do that. Yeah, I, I really My brain might fry. Yeah, I, 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 it's no, I wouldn't want to see it either. So yeah, four goals in three games, great start. He's got two more games to play before his conditioning stint has uh, elapsed. And then back to the NHL. I hope he gets that game against Montreal and then off to world junior camp, hopefully. And yeah, that's probably best case for Shane, Wright. Obviously though, it's been tough for him. So good on him. My,
0: my main message I would like to get across is I'm happy for the guy. And I'm stoked that he's gaining his confidence and performing well.
1: So we'll move into the kind of more traditional prospect talk from the two of us. We have, <clears throat> three things on our docket right now one of them is entirely just you know and and the stats speak for themselves in the sky but it, it's it's mostly kind of just a personal observation for me so I'm you know I moved over the summer I am working for the blackfolds Bulldogs blackfolds is about 15 20 minutes north of Red Deer where I'm living so I'm 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 going to Rebels games you know it's dub hockey it's good hockey I'm a hockey guy it's fun are you really? I had no idea. You know who else is a hockey guy? This goalie they have Kyle Kelsey. Now, I paid a lot of attention to him because he happens to be from the same smallish city that I was born and raised in in, in British Columbia, Maple Ridge. Um, so I saw that kind of, you know, I I took the took took the roster of the rebels, went through it, and that caught my eye. So I was like, Oh, this goalie's from. Always from Ridge. I, I look at the stats last season played in the BCHL with the Victoria Grizzlies. Good save percentage, 9 13, went 14 12 0, 283. Thought, oh, you know, it's, it's it'll this will be interesting. I hope he does well. And wow, like WHL rookie, he is phenomenal. He is so good. And I've gone back to watch him play over and over again as part of the podcast. Big shout out to the Rebels organization because as part of the podcast, they gave me, uh, gave me the chance to go in there, go up into the, go up into the press box and just get to sit there and take notes on him for a whole game. So I was sitting up there with my media pass, um, got my laptop out, just taking notes. And again, he, everything, everything he did in that game was phenomenal. He was absolutely fantastic. I I, I have all my notes here. It's his reflexes are of such a high caliber he's fighting through traffic well and he's got an, his 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 IQ he his active stick he's breaking up chances and i thought you know I, th- I thought you know this guy this guy was draft eligible last year he didn't get drafted so i'm thinking is this guy on anybody's radar he's not he's not listed on nhl central scouting um i have a friend who lived in maple ridge with me obviously had Kyle Kelsey on his radar kind of for the same reasons as well he worked in the BCHL last year. His name is Xander Holcomb. He's doing social media with the Red Deer Rebels. So I was able to kind of just pull him aside and ask him about Kelsey. And he he told me, told me his thoughts, both in the BCHL. I wrote them down. Didn't get a chance to do an interview with him. But this is from the Red Deer Rebels social media manager, Xander Holcomb, said he was excited to see Kyle Kelsey at the Rebels camp in the fall. He had some hopes that Kelsey was going to make the team as a backup, but he's made such a strong transition to the WHL. Very flexible, good re So he's not surprised he made it. He, however, most guys do take a few games to get adjusted to the speed. Xander said he didn't get a ton of chances to watch him last year, but the couple games he saw Kelsey play for Victoria impressed him. His stats from the BCHL were good, but Victoria, in Xander's experience, didn't have much regard for playing in their end at times last year. At least a few times, Kelsey was tasked with stopping three-on-ones or two-on-os. So it's impressive that his stats were as decent as they were. 283, 913. 16 games a season with the Red Deer Rebels, James. Cal Kel Kelsey, 2.09 goals against average, a 9.24 save percentage, an eleven two and 3 record, doing all of that as a rookie in this league. And we can kind of do a more elaborate thing about players who get passed over in the draft and then break out <laughs> because so many do that. So many do that. Some of them end up on people's draft radars and some of them don't. And Kyle Kelsey just seems like somebody who didn't, but it's also somebody that I think could make a professional jump just based on what I've seen of him.
0: And you love to hear it, especially those stories of players that get passed over in the draft. Uh, Honestly, I think most of my favorite player stories are undrafted stories. Like you think Marty St. Louis passed over in the draft, uh, goes to a a camp, doesn't work out. And and then storybook career. You know, I'm not going to say Kyle Kelsey's going to be a Hall of Famer with a storybook career. Maybe he will, maybe he won't, but you know, I think I would love to see a guy who performs like that make the jump and maybe get a pro tryout contract somewhere.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It would be awesome to see like I said. He's a he's a ridge kid. Had him on the radar, watched him play, he blew me away. So I wanted to wanted to highlight that um Awesome! The rebels, you know, gave us the gave us the media pass to go up there and watch him. Uh, I, can't I was you're a media pass guy now. That's well, wild. well, uh, may, maybe pump the brakes. I was told that uh, the podcast podcast <laughs> might might need to see a little bit more out of the podcast, make it a little bit more established, and then an interview might be possible. Was what I was told when I reached out looking for an interview with him. So you know, love to be there. Hopefully, we do get him on the line later on in the show. Other player I wanted to highlight in junior is somebody that you James talked about. And you talked about him early in the season, he was putting up great numbers, but it was only through a handful of games. So of course, the question is, when a kid's putting up great numbers through a small sample size, how sustainable is that? Will he continue it? Michael Misa 2007 born 15 year old currently playing for the Saginaw Spirit in the OHL. We've talked about him before. He's a top prospect eligible in 2025. Had a very strong start to the season, and the foot has not come off the gas. 14 goals, 26 points in 18 games for Michael Misa. I'm excited. <laughs> like I'm excited. I, I've 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 taken the time to watch him play in the OHL. He is a dynamic player. He makes a difference every time he's on the ice. You know, and and it's 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 really exciting to be able to you know it's Connor bedard and then next year there's no clear-cut number one there's no clear-cut generational talent and then it's michael misa and then it's gavin mckenna this is going to be fun
0: <laughs> you know uh, and then talking about michael misa and i've had a couple people who listen to the podcast reach out and say oh this is really cool all i had heard about him before was that he was exceptional status i hadn't really heard much about him it's really cool that you guys are talking about it and so it got me thinking, especially when I saw that you noted him in the rundown. It got me thinking that, ooh, okay. Who is he comparable to? So I want, I have a couple in mind. I want to know if you may have thought about any players you might compare him
1: to. And again, you're putting me on the spot. <laughs> you're putting me on the spot here. Kind of like if Mitch Marner was a center. That's kind of what I'm thinking. He, He's he's very smart with the puck, you know. He's he's got a high, he, high speed of play with the puck, without the puck. He's very creative with the puck. Again, I, I love guys that you know you can watch them play and you can see their you can see their hockey IQ come out. And that that's probably the that's probably the closest I think I'll get is Mitch Marner if he was a center, because Mitch Marner to me as a winger is a very good two way winger. He's a good defensive winger and Michael Mesa plays a very good 200 foot game as well. So that's what it'll give you. Final answer. Mitch Marner, if Mitch Marner was a center.
0: Okay. That's really interesting because that was one of my two, but I kind of started thinking of a new, like I started going with a new method of doing player comparisons recently. From a post I saw on Instagram, and I'd love to credit the account, but I can't because I don't remember what it is. But what they were doing was they were they were referring to players as a cross between uh, as as the comparisons being a cross between one and the other. Uh, So the first one I noticed was uh, uh, Bedard is a cross between Matthews and Barzell. We can get into that another time. I love that comparison. Me too. Me too. That's that's awesome. And so it got me thinking about, okay, Michael Misa, who would I compare him to? and it's funny that you mentioned Marner like I said because that was one of my two the other one that I thought of was young Tyler Sagan early in his career Tyler Sagan and it's not because of the I I totally agree with what you were saying about the responsibility the hockey sense and everything watching the specific kind of flair that Mesa has with the puck for some reason, it reminds me of early Tyler Sagan in those 10-11 uh, season highlights and playoffs, and then the next year after, and then maybe a little bit of his early Dallas Stars stuff. But yeah, it's just like the way he handles the puck reminds me of when Tyler Sagan was a very strong star in this league.
1: I don't disagree with you. And kind of like, you know, the Bedard being Matthews and Barzell, I think you're taking parts of those two players as games, but not all of them. And I think... Tyler Sagan rings true in that sense as well from Michael Misa. Mm -hmm. To me, what he's missing that Tyler Sagan from a young age had was Tyler Sagan really knew how to use use his body and use the physicality to his advantage. I don't think Misa's there yet, but he's an exceptional status player, which means he's 15 playing in the OHL with players up to 20 years old. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna knock him for not being a physically imposing presence on the ice yet because he's so young. But I think as soon as that part of his game, as soon as he bulks up and as soon as he as as soon as he 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 gets to that level physicality wise, I'm right on board with that. Yeah.
0: Okay Aiden, before we get out of the junior I really, really want to talk about the BCHL's Penticton V's.
1: These guys are nuts right now. Well,
0: Absolutely. And James,
1: again, I, I know this is your, this is your first year in the BCHL. It's not new that Penticton's nuts. This is the premier organization in the BCHL. In my league, it's the Brooks Bandits. The Brooks Bandits and the AJHL. Those are two of the top Junior A organizations in this country. Brooks beat Blackfolds last night, or I guess, you know, two nights ago now, beat them three, nothing hard fought game for the Bulldogs was proud of the way they played Blackfolds coming out of kind of a tough November, but the Brooks bandits, Brooks lost in regulation in Blackfolds at the beginning of the season in September. They have not lost a game in regulation since this is their 16th straight victory. They have, I think coming into Saturday, they had a 17 point edge. I think Spruce Grove also won on Saturday. So a 17 point edge going into their game against Blackfolds on Saturday over second in the league. So it's you know Brooks in the AJHL and you were going to talk about Penticton because Penticton is the BCHL equivalent.
0: Okay, that's absolutely nuts, and I didn't realize Brooks was that good right now. Um, I guess the Kale McCarr hype train just never ended,
1: and I'm well, assuming
0: they were sick before that.
1: Quick shout out, he plays for Brooks and he keeps torching Blackfolds. But Aiden Fink is whoever gets Aiden Fink in the third, fourth, fifth round this year is going to be laughing. This guy, his skill is absolutely unbelievable. University of Wisconsin commit. He's awesome. He is such a good hockey player. He he is. He's the diamond in the rough in terms of the junior a guys this year. He's he's amazing. Anyways, back to Penticton. Go.
0: OK, so Penticton is they're twenty Twenty three and O. Like nobody heard that wrong. 23 and oh. Their starting goalie, Luca De uh 19 years old, uh undrafted. He has a 1.67 goals against average, 927 save percentage, 16-0 record. The guy has just been dynamite. Their backup goalie's numbers are great too, but just not as great. Uh and then their leading scorer eligible for this year's NHL entry draft, Bradley Nadeau. Um, Him and his brother are on a line together. Bradley has 24 goals and 24 assists for 48 points in 23 games. Uh, He's projected anywhere in the second, third round. Uh, It looks like it's all over the place. And that seems to be rising because in the summer, they were projecting him like third, fourth, and it just seems to be going higher and higher. And then his brother, Josh, uh, he has 14 goals and 32 assists for 46 points in 23 games. Okay, so uh, both Bradley and Josh are committed to the University of Maine. So uh, it is a fact that Bradley is going to go develop his game even more uh, in the NCAA. This guy is going to be awesome. Uh, like, I mean, you never know, really. But I think he very well could drift into the first round at the kind of season he's having. And with how much more common it's been the last few years to see guys from Junior A go in the first round. Uh, and then one more note about Luka De Pasco as well uh he's committed to michigan state university so you could see him being a guy a couple years down the line being uh, an undrafted ncaa uh product that signs with an nhl team after the after the uh after his college career ends and maybe working his way up through an ahl system playing for an nhl team one day those stats are something he will always have in his back pocket and they're always going to be there like that this is a killer season that all of these Penticton V's are putting together.
1: Yeah, and that's kind of the interesting part. I want to have actually somebody you mentioned, it's we worked for the Surrey Eagles, Lucas Celli, great hockey mind. He's been working in junior A for a little while now. And now that you know I I've I've it's my first season working full time in junior A as well. I'd love to have him on in a couple of weeks. I'm I'm fully committed to doing this. I want to talk CHL versus NCAA because. It's kind of like you said, there are, in the CHL, there's just more eyes on you. That's the reality of the situation, is that you are just getting more exposure. The scouts are watching you more. You probably, at least statistically, have a higher chance of being drafted. However, there is a case, a real one to be made, that Junior A in Canada, specifically Junior A in British Columbia and Alberta specifically, nothing against the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League, nothing against Manitoba, it's just the reality of the situation is... British Columbia and Alberta have the two strongest Junior A leagues in, I would say, the world. Um, so seeing guys, you know, continuously coming out of those leagues, going to the NCAA, you know, Ken Johnson comes to mind. He was a he was a trail smoke eater in the BCHL. There's a, somebody this year, I think his name's Matthew Wood, who's going to go in the first round. He was a BCHL last year playing in the NCAA this year. So, you know, there, there, there's less eyes on you. Are there more benefits? And it's something we're going to have Lucas on to talk about, but I think it's really interesting you bring that up because it is somewhere I am going to want to go with a future episode. We've been going on a while. (laughs) This has been a long one, longer than we anticipated. So we are going to transition into wrapping it up. So thanks for listening to the junior portion. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with some closing thoughts. And as always, a little game.
0: So Aiden, I think it's really important as we near the end of this week's podcast. Um, we touched on this pillar in the world of hockey last week. And uh yeah, we lost this wonderful human being. We lost Boreas Salming. It's it's very tough. And all of the videos and the fact that he made it out to Toronto to say goodbye, and the 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 picture of daryl sittler crying giving him a hug that's it's iconic and timeless and he joins a very long list of hockey heroes that we've lost in the past couple years mike boss he's the the other one that jumps to mind right away and there's so many more it's been it's been a tough few years for the hockey community and hockey in sweden specifically sweden lost their Sweden lost their hockey forefather, in my opinion. Like, he he was such an important man. And, you know, you saw Oliver Ekman-Larsen and William Nylander go up to take the ceremonial puck drop face-off. And those guys are not where they are. If I mean, probably not where they are, if not for what... Borea Salming and I believe the other player was Inga Hammerstrom if if not for the two of them coming over when they did you know if they didn't come over when they did I think it sets Swedish hockey back I don't know a decade it's it's incredible the impact that man had on hockey in Sweden hockey worldwide the Toronto Maple Leafs we're never going to forget this guy I i never got to see him play because as we've established, I'm 24 years old, but my grandpa got to see him play and my grandpa's dad got to see him play. This was an iconic figure and you know what? He's not one we'll ever forget. He's always going to be there. Um, (laughs) A song my dad showed me when I was quite young, The Highwayman by The Highwayman uh there's one line in the song that, that says and i may come uh, it, i'm paraphrasing it says he may come back as a simple drop of rain but he will remain and bory will remain so i'll leave it on that note
1: i will also leave it on that note nothing i could have possibly said would have done it justice better than you just did yeah trailblazer well aiden
0: you know let's uh Let's take that moment and, you know, maybe pull a smile from it. And, and I hope, I hope our listeners who are likely mostly around our age can take some of that and maybe, maybe go look into Borea Solomon's career and see the impact he's had, maybe watch a couple of videos and enjoy his life and career for what it was. And, and, uh, but for now, we're going to move on to something that provides a couple more smiles, something with, uh, a little less of that kind of emotion. We're going to keep our tradition going because isn't the great Canadian hockey podcast without a couple of games to uh, to uh, end things for the week. What do you have for me, Aiden? It's your turn.
1: A little bit of trivia. So last week it was James for me. This week it's me for James. We're going to play career trajectories again until I get a message from somebody that says they are super sick of this. I think it's a good go to going forward. It's fun. Um, I've got an easy medium hard for you. I think you'll be okay. I hope so. I'm tired. (laughs) I am too. It's been a long episode, the end of a long week. All right. First up, 1997 to 2021. San Jose, Toronto, San Jose, Pittsburgh, San Jose.
0: Okay, I'm really glad this started with the easy one uh, when you said 1997 to 21, uh, there were really only a couple options. Uh, maybe only one option. Uh, it's, it was Patrick Marlowe right away for me as soon as you said 97 to 21 start with San Jose.
1: So if I had thrown in Carolina in there, would that have slipped you up at all?
0: no um because i would have got it but i think as uh, as a rule going forward they have to have played for the team like yeah. if, if we're doing pavel Datsuk, we're not throwing coyotes on there
1: no i was gonna actually use this as a good precedent setting one here <laughs> yeah so on the roster in any way like if it's brent seabrook we're not saying tampa like it's it's the, there's a current example okay good to know moving forward One for one so far. We're going to go to number two, 2005 to 2022. He is on an active NHL roster this year, but hasn't played yet. So there's the hint I'm going to give you off the top. Carolina, Chicago, Atlanta, Winnipeg, subsequently. Chicago, Islanders, Coyotes. Give me Andrew Ladd. That one was easy. And add away. Another Ridge kid from my hometown, Maple Ridge. Andrew Ladd, um, former Calgary Hitman in the WHL, Stanley Cup champion with the Chicago Blackhawks. Well done. Well done. I thought it might be the Atlanta thing that was that that was going to give it away, but I thought Chicago to at Chicago to Atlanta. I immediately think Bufflin, but obviously Bufflin didn't go on to be an Islander, so that would have. Obviously, disqualified. You got you know? me with
0: back to Chicago. That uh, the Winnipeg to Chicago is where you got me because of the massive Andrew Ladd trade deadline acquisition that resulted in nothing.
1: Yeah, resulted in <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Chicago's one of <laughs> one of Chicago's first round exits that led to the the way the Blackhawks are now. Anyways, <laughs> um, here's the hard. I hope you don't get this right away because you got the medium right away. So this will be – this will this look pretty bad on me if I gave you three underhand pitches that you smashed out of the park here. 1999 to 2016. Colorado, Calgary, Montreal, Tampa Bay, Calgary, Colorado, Arizona. Your facial expression tells me at the very <laughs> least I've 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 gone one for three on at least making your brain work a little bit.
0: <laughs> okay, so the first couple things I think of are Alex Tangave, but I didn't hear Phoenix. So that's not that's not a thing. Yeah. And Arizona
1: was at the end. Oh, he was okay yeah, Arizona was at the end. Uh... I'll say again, Colorado. Calgary, Montreal, Tampa Bay, Calgary, Colorado, Arizona.
0: I'm calling in my one hint of the night.
1: Despite the fact that he played for five teams, he played 13 and a half out of his 16 seasons with two teams.
0: Those two teams are Colorado and Calgary. Yeah. You know, I kind of have had one in mind, uh, but I don't, I don't. You got me. That is I'm two for three. I don't have this one.
1: I, I feel bad calling you two for three because you had it off the top. James, it was Alex Tangay. What? Yeah. He, played Montreal? he did. He spent the 08, 09 season with the Canadians, 41 okay. points in 50 games.
0: My. I should have gone with my gut. That was my
1: gut instinct. That was the first player I thought of. Yeah, he spent the better part of fourteen seasons with one of Colorado or Calgary. Spent oh eight oh nine with Montreal. Then spent oh nine ten with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Finished off eighteen games in fifteen sixteen with the Arizona Coyotes. Otherwise, was an Av and a Flame, twice each. All right, Aiden,
0: we're still calling it two for three. I'm not taking a loser point and getting two and a half. I I I uh, I didn't go with my gut. I elected to make that decision. That was my choice.
1: Okay, and with that, episode four of the Great Canadian Hockey Podcast concludes. We set it off the top. I'll stress it again. Thank you so much for not only listening, but giving some feedback, giving us your support. You guys are awesome. We're going to cook up some more guests for you. We're, you know, we're always working. We're going to work on something for next week. We want to do a lot of World Junior stuff, obviously, in December. We're gonna try and get some guests in to talk on that. If James and I can't get any guests in to kind of give their say on that, we'll give you know we'll maybe give our World Junior preview, breaking down Canada's roster when it's announced. We will give some of our favorite World Junior moments, favorite World Junior memories. So stay on for that. It's a good time for this podcast to get kicked off. I think for the both of us, right before December, to to kind of get the kind of get the World Junior juices flowing. Um, yeah, James, I think that's. Think that's it. I promised, of course, at the top of the episode, we talked about the World Cup and I promised uh how is Aiden feeling about Portugal? Um, all over the place, stressed out. That's where I'll leave it. I'm just stressed. I'm so stressed.
0: <laughs> and Aiden, let's uh I, I'd say let's hope the stress doesn't continue. But I know how you watch that sport. So it's it's not going away anytime soon. Every game is a roller coaster for you. Every match, rather. Um, <laughs> but I think that's uh I'll just echo what Aiden said. And I want to give a quick shout out to uh all of my friends coworkers who have to listen through this podcast at work, even though they have zero interest in hockey. And uh thank you guys for not plugging your ears. And uh with that, uh thank you to everyone. Let's roll that out, Joe.